Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello, faithful listeners, and good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bible Explained podcast. And today we are doing a From Christ episode. I don't know if you guys ever have noticed the way I name the podcast episodes. So for more clarity on that, because I actually don't know if I've ever explained that once in the two years that I've been doing this podcast about the way I name the podcast episodes. <laughs> I might have a long time ago, but I don't remember. But anyway... I named the Tuesdays and Thursday podcast episodes where I do a New Testament episode from Christ in parentheses around them. That just means I'm doing a New Testament episode because we're mainly talking about from Christ, the new covenant. And then obviously when I do my Old Testament episodes, those ones are called from creation next to the title of the podcast episode. So that's just a way for you guys to identify a little bit better if we are in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Because I know sometimes the books of the Bible can get kind of confusing, especially to people who are new to scripture. I want them to understand if we're doing Old Testament that day or New Testament that day. So from creation means Old Testament, from Christ means New Testament. So let's go ahead and talk about Luke 13 because today we are in the New Testament. And I'll be reading verses 10 through 21 out of the WEB this morning. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way straighten herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she stood up straight and glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue, being indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the multitude, There are six days which men ought to work. Therefore, come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you free his ox or his donkey from the stall on the Sabbath and lead him away to water? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound for eighteen long years, be freed from this bondage on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were disappointed, and all the multitudes rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, What is God's kingdom like? To what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and put in his own garden. It grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the sky lived in its branches." Again, he said, to what shall I compare God's kingdom? It is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So this was getting very, very close to the time when Jesus was about to die. So he was getting to be more popular. More people were coming to see him, to hear him preach and to get healed by him. But also he was becoming more and more hated by people who rejected him and by the Pharisees. But Jesus was not afraid of them. He was not afraid to publicly go into the synagogues and preach and teach and heal. In fact, he did up until the very time when he was about to die. So I just think it's so interesting how unafraid Jesus was of the people who wanted to kill him. But anyway, here in verse 10, it says he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. There were many synagogues, just as there are many churches. 
And so Jesus would go into specific synagogues that he was invited in to teach on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was the day of rest. And it says here that there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way straighten herself up. So for 18 years, this woman dealt with an infirmity. But this wasn't just an ordinary infirmity. This was a spiritual infirmity. And I don't know if this woman had sinned in the past in order to have this infirmity on her. And we talked about that a few episodes back, like maybe a couple months ago. We talked about uh, how not all infirmities are due to like a spiritual nature, but some are. And there are there are instances of scripture where some infirmities or illnesses are due to a spiritual nature. And this is one of them. And we don't know what happened here. We don't know anything about this woman's history. We don't know if she sinned. We don't know if uh, we just don't know what happened here. But somehow a spiritual issue caused this woman to be bent over and she couldn't straighten herself up at all. So it's probably very embarrassing to go out, but yet she still took the time to go to the synagogue that day, not knowing that Jesus was going to be there, but she just went. She was probably walking with a cane or a stick and she had to stare at the ground the entire time she walked to the synagogue. Because it says she couldn't straighten herself up in any way. So whatever happened to her spine was pretty bad to the fact where she could she could not at all walk normally or straighten up at all. So Jesus has compassion on this woman because it says here in verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, woman, you are freed from your infirmity. He didn't ask her. He didn't do anything. He just invited her over to be freed. And the other cool thing about this is the fact that she did not ask for anything from Jesus either. At least I don't think she did, because it says when Jesus saw her, he called, he had compassion on her. He saw her, had compassion and called her over and said, woman, you are freed from your infirmity. So he laid his hand on her his hands on her, and immediately she stood up straight and glorified God. So Jesus healed her from this spiritual illness that she had, and she glorified God. And the interesting thing here about this is this woman was probably a God-believing woman because she immediately glorified God. And also later on here, Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham. So how could a God-fearing woman have this infirmity? And many people even want to go so far to say that she was possessed by Satan. Now, personally, I don't believe that. I do not believe that somebody who is God-fearing can be possessed by Satan. But it actually doesn't say anywhere here in this passage that she was possessed. It doesn't say that at all. It just says that she had been bound by Satan. And I do believe that Satan can directly affect our bodies. I, I do believe that. It does say in the Bible that uh, we are not dealing with, with flesh and blood, but with spiritual issues as well. So yes, I do believe that Satan can do some stuff if we 
kind of invite it or allow it. I do believe that. I do not believe, though, that Satan can possess a Christian person. There is no evidence of that in Scripture. And if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that is so much stronger than anything that uh, Satan can do to us. Now, I should argue that this woman probably did not have the Holy Spirit because we do see that the Holy Spirit comes later in the book of Acts. So I don't know. I don't think that this woman had the Holy Spirit yet. So some people say that, oh, well, maybe she was possessed. But then why would she be going to the the synagogue? Why would she be doing any of that? Typically, people who were possessed were not found in the synagogue. If you If you look at the history of possession that Jesus has done. It was usually people out on the street. Sometimes it was Gentiles. It was not typically people found in the synagogue that I know of. So I just don't think that this woman was possessed. I think something had happened spiritually in her life that caused her to become like this at one point in time. But I do not believe that she was possessed. I also do believe that uh, Satan po- Satan's power is very limited especially now that we have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is widespread among the Christians. Anybody who is a true Jesus follower, a true believer in God, has access to the Holy Spirit. That is our free gift. And because of that, I believe that the Holy Spirit is so strong and it is stronger than Satan's power. But I still think that there are some things that Satan can do. I believe he is a master of lies. And I believe that if we continue to believe those lies, sometimes this physical stuff can take hold of us. And I know one way that is so widespread here in America is through stress. And stress causes so many issues in life. And I believe that that stress sometimes is caused by the lies that we believe, that we have to do more. We can't have sleep or we're going to, uh, you know, not be able to finish this project that is due. If we don't do this or that or be better or have a side job or whatever, that we're not going to be able to succeed in life. We'll be failures. And I believe that stress is something that Satan uses to almost sway us into the direction that he wants us to go. And obviously the direction he wants us to go is anti-God. And I I believe it's a problem. I believe stress is a huge issue in America. And just the mentality of having to do better, busyness is a huge problem that takes our minds away from God. So yes, I think that there are some physical things that can come from Satan. I don't understand all of it. I never will understand all of it. I can't understand all of it. But I do know that Satan can use certain things in our lives even if we are Christians. And some of those things could be infirmities like this. Something that this woman has that is a spiritual kind of issue. That being said, I do not believe it's always a spiritual issue. If somebody is sick, just repent and you'll feel better. (laughs) Well, sometimes that's not always the case, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is like with this woman who goes to the synagogue basically old-fashioned church, and believes in Jesus, believes in God, is a daughter of Abraham, but yet is still held by this infirmity. And she doesn't know how to get rid of it. Maybe she didn't even realize that it was a spiritual issue, but Jesus realized it the second he saw her. So he 
gets rid of this issue that she has and it frees her from this bondage. So now, after this happens, the leader of the synagogue, because there was a leader of each synagogue or a ruler of each synagogue, and we've seen a handful of them in the past, gets angry at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day. He's not looking at this wonderful miracle that Jesus just, just did. He's not looking at how this woman's life was just changed completely because of Jesus's miracle. He doesn't see any of that. All he sees is his own pride. The fact that Jesus is getting more adoration, I suppose, than he is. So he gets angry and he's just like, there are six days of the week that you guys can come and get healed at this synagogue, but the Sabbath is not one of them. That's what he says here. <laughs> so Jesus becomes angry because of what this ruler says, because it was very stupid. And so um, Jesus is like, you hypocrite, don't you take your donkey and free it to go, uh, you know, give it water on the Sabbath day? Of course you do. Anybody would because the donkey needs to eat and drink on the Sabbath day. Is a donkey more valuable than a woman, a person made in God's image, a daughter of Abraham? Is a donkey more important than this woman? So if you can free your donkey on the Sabbath day, why can't I free this woman, this beautiful creation that God created? Why can't I free her on the Sabbath day? And so that's what he says to the people. And this is so logical that the people rejoice. The people rejoice. And it says also that his adversaries were disappointed. <laughs> Because they knew that they just got caught being illogical. And so the multitude re rejoices over what Jesus said and had just done for this woman. So after this, Jesus says, what is God's kingdom like? And to what shall I compare it? And he gives two examples. He says, firstly, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and put in his own garden. It grew and became a large tree and the birds of the sky lived in its branches. Then he also says it is like yeast which a woman took, hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, these two parables are interesting. And that is because they are both referring to corruption, most likely. But how can God's kingdom be corrupted? So God's kingdom, obviously, is what Jesus is talking about here on earth, not the kingdom of heaven, but we see that Jesus often says the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is here. And Jesus is referring to himself and how the church is about to grow here on earth. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, I believe he is describing it here on earth right now being the church. So he says it's like the grain of mustard seed, which a man took, put in his own garden. It became a large tree. So a mustard seed, if you guys know anything about mustard bushes, which I don't really know much about them, but typically they are bushes. I know that. I know that they don't become very large trees. So this would be super abnormal if a mustard seed was planted and it became like a tree, like an oak tree or something like that, like a large tree. That's that's not normal for a mustard seed. So Jesus is saying that this little grain of mustard seed became something huge this huge movement. And that's what the Christian church has become. It's been a movement for the past 2,000 years, a huge movement. 
But yet these birds of the sky are nesting in its branches. And I believe that this is talking about the corruption. The people that come in and nest in the branches, you know, you don't really know that they're there, but they're false prophets, they're evil people, they're bad teachers that come into the church like wolves in sheep's clothing that come into the church and try to destroy it from the inside out. And I mean, birds in the Old Testament, if you guys were listening to my Leviticus episodes, most birds that flew through the sky were considered to be very unclean. In fact, the the few clean birds that we uh, are talked about, I believe, are the ones that mostly stay near the ground. Now that I'm thinking about it, like turkeys and chickens and pheasants, I believe all those are pretty much like ground birds for the most part. But the ones that fly through the air typically are considered to be very unclean. And that's why Jesus says here, the birds of the sky lived in its branches. So these unclean birds, and by the way, birds are very filthy as well. I have a bird feeder and there's just poop all the time, just poop. They poop in their food. <laughs> I don't understand. Why do you poop in your food? I, I never understood that. But anyway, birds just cause a lot of crap. And so they come into this tree and they corrupt it from the inside. And then also the same little thing here, it's like a, a very similar parable. Jesus says in verse 21, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. We see that leaven in scripture is almost never associated with something good. We see that leaven typically is talking about sin and sin has a tendency to spread. So even though all this wonderful dough was made by this woman, she hid just a tiny bit of yeast in it and it became all leavened. And we see that happening, the corruption in the churches where a church will just like fall overnight because of corrupt leadership. We see that happen all the time. And I believe Jesus is also talking about this because right after he did this miracle where he healed the woman, this corrupt synagogue ruler or leader comes up to Jesus and becomes angry. And Jesus is exposing the corruption of that particular synagogue he was just in, where he says, that guy was a wolf in sheep's clothing. That guy was a bird of the sky coming and nesting in the mustard tree. That guy was like a little bit of yeast that corrupted the whole thing. So that personally is what I believe Jesus is talking about. So we need to watch out for these leaders, preachers, anybody who is teaching God's gospel, anybody who is leading people closer to God or saying that they are. We need to watch out for these people who are doing that. That includes any mega church pastor that is preaching down to the Sunday school teacher, down to me. That includes anybody who is teaching God's word. We got to check them. We got to watch out for them. We got to make sure they are teaching the right things. And that is why I tell you guys, even though I am reading the scripture to you, the scripture passage and talking about it, I am passionately asking you to go in and read it for yourself. Any single time that I read scripture, I want you to read it. That's the most important thing is getting yourself into the word. Because even though, yes, I can read it to you, it doesn't mean that I am reading you the correct thing or that I'm talking about the correct thing. So study the scripture for yourself to make sure that any leader is doing the correct job. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode, and I hope it convicted you and that you liked it. And if you did, share it on your social media platforms and tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. So check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash P40 Ministries to stay updated on some of the stuff that P40 Ministries does and that the Bible Explained podcast is doing. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you guys go with a happy listening and God bless. Oh,